the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is The Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Search The Rob Black Show. And now, Rob Black. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money on Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, more. Kind of want to do one of those shows that we don't have to do a lot of thinking, just a little bit of listening. From 1995 to 1999, it was considered a bad word to be diversified. Diversification was was like the no-no. In all of the 90s, it was tech stocks or, or bust. And then late 90s, early 2000, 2001, 2002, tech stocks went down 70, 80%. Does that remind you a little bit of what's going on with Bitcoin? Or with marijuana stocks a couple of years ago? Or with non-fungible tokens? Where it's the church of what's working now? From 1995 through 1999, the stock market had its best five-year stretch ever. So why was it a surprise that from 2000, 2002, tech stocks got rocked? It shouldn't be, in my opinion. There are very normal things in our life called recessions. Unfortunately, I think the media blows it, and they make recessions into the R word. Kind of like the C word and the N word. There's words that you don't say. Around Wall Street, you don't say the R word, recession. I've lived through four or five recessions um, in my business life. They're normal and healthy. When I was a kid, I thought, Dan Rather just said people are losing their jobs. That sounds bad. But for me, recessions were a great way for Wall Street to take care of its excesses, its problems. In 2000, 2002, when the NASDAQ went down 80%, It's probably a good thing for a lot of CEOs who are in tech stocks or tech stock CEOs. And I know you're saying, why would that be a good thing? Because many of them probably would have gone to jail for fraud. There was too many tech companies that had no earnings, no path to earnings, and just tried to grow revenue. Some of the companies' CEOs did go to jail, like WorldCom and Enron. The 2000, 2001, 2002, when stocks imploded, it was a way for CEOs to look at other CEOs and say, bail my company out. Like countrywide credit got bailed out. If it didn't, probably would have been a criminal probe into the accounting. So I like recessions. Since World War II, recessions have become less severe. So it's not really like a food line situation or a, a, a food soup kitchen kind of thing. It's not that. But that's still the image I think a lot of people have in their heads, whether it's your parents or you. The severity of jobs lost has been trending down since 1948. 
average duration is much shorter. It's one year. And the average recovery is for four to eight years. So you get four to eight years of expansion, one year of contraction. And like I said, I like recessions. They're able to take some of the froth out of the market. On a nice steak, if it's got a little bit too much fat on it, I like a little marbling, of course, right? Sometimes you got to take that big chunk off that somehow got lopped up into it. Same thing with Wall Street. Sometimes you have to trim the fat. Some of the things that I can go back on in my life and I can give my younger self advice or that I would give my children now is live within your means. And that's really, really difficult, especially when you have wealth. You tend to spend stuff on things that you wouldn't have before. And when you don't have wealth, you tend to say, I really think I deserve this. This year, the number of people deferring payments on big purchases is going very it's, – it's, it's skyrocketing. It's become a cool thing to do. Delayed gratification or instant gratification, delayed frustration, delayed payments. So you finance it over time. I think that's horrible. Live within your means. Start to set some goals for yourself when you're single. And then when you get married, have some goals. You don't have to have like a strategy session. But it shouldn't just be, you know, land of milk and honey. Let's go to bed, make love, and wake up, go to work, come home, make love, go to bed, work. It shouldn't be more just that. It's got to have some, do you want to retire one day? Do you want to own a house one day? The goals don't have to be monumental. Um, we're living in a world now where we're, we're seeing more and more aging and dementia. And one piece of advice I, I'm going to give my kids is, you know, Ronald Reagan was a president during my lifetime. And he lived till 93, 33 years after retirement. It's really funny when you look at Joe Biden and Donald Trump and see how old they are as presidents. And we thought Ronald Reagan was old, but he was all said and done after eight years at 63 years old. Then he lived for another 33 years, 10 years in massive dementia. And that's very expensive. So when I say you work from 20 to 60, that's roughly 40 years. He lived in 33 years of retirement, so he had to live off his retirement income. No, as a president, he's got certain, how shall we say, ways of making money. But 10 years of very bad health, if you had a relative with really bad health, it's not fun. And it's expensive. My mother in the last three years of her life racked up over $300,000 medical costs and room and board because she was in an old folks home. So you go like $300,000 for a 82 to 85 year old woman. Yeah, that's right. It's expensive to have bad health. Some other advices, advices, Mises to pieces that I would give my children is try to stay create a budget. If you're pulling in $60,000 a year of income, try to figure out how to spend 55,000 and save 5,000. So part of your budget is to be spending food, shelter, but it also, there should be that little bit called saving. Try to have a budget and just go with it. I grew up in the computer age where, you know, 286 wasn't very powerful. 386 kind of started introducing some better graphics, but not much. 
And there was companies like Quicken and QuickBooks that you were able to do like a, a financial bank account. And my parents balanced their bank checks or their banking account on the back of their checking account, on the back of their checkbooks. Um, I went straight automation on it and I balanced my checking that way. And it's like weird, right? Do you remember the day where you would check your, your how many checks you wrote? And you'd be like, ah, why didn't Cindy cash that $100 check I gave her? Now I got to call her because I don't want that to bounce one day. Those days are kind of gone. Another advice I'd give my children is too much debt. Housing expenses need to be about 28% of your pre-tax income. Never over 36%. Consumer debt should be less than 20% of after-tax income. And that's, that's crazy high. I wrote these notes to myself 25 years ago. These are some of the original notes from my original shows. Insufficient disability insurance. We're more likely to suffer a loss of income than to die prematurely. Updating your will is advice I would give my children because I had a couple loves of my life that I thought I was going to end up with. And I wasn't signing up paperwork at brokerage firms with my brother or my sister's name. I was signing up with a girlfriend I was dating. In case I died, she got it. That's a little naive 20 years later. You got to update your paperwork, including your wells. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out The Rob Black Show online, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels, robblackshow.com. So for reals, I've got a folder called Seminar Prep. And 25 years ago, when I first started doing seminars for how to create wealth, I would take notes. And this folder is in a Yahoo email account. I've saved every note that I've ever used on radio and television because companies like Yahoo and Google let you have massive amounts of email. So what I did this morning was I pulled out my notes from 25 years ago, and it's surprisingly the same advice. Mistakes that I'd like to go back on not living within my means, failure to set goals, knowing that people like Reagan lived 33 years, 10 of it in very bad health, failure to create and stick to a budget, uh, too much debt. Number six on this list was not enough cash reserves. The only time in my life that I ever got stressed was when I changed jobs or moved. And there was that, what do I do for cash? There was one point in time where I think I borrowed a little bit of money from my brother, Michael, not necessarily for like electricity, but for like maybe a little more extravagant food than beanie weenies or ramen noodles. Um, I didn't have enough cash reserves. I don't like borrowing money. Um, insufficient disability insurance. Like I said, there's better chance that I'm going to get hit by a car, have a heart attack, slip on the ice, hit my head. Um, being disabled is very expensive, especially when you can't work and you need someone else to help you. I talked about this a little bit while in the last segment of make sure you update your will. Um, my producer, myself, other men that I know, our first marriages didn't go well, but we went into it thinking it would. And it's till death do us part and you open up a 401k at an office and you're at your new radio station and you put who's your survivor 
benefits go to. And you put your girlfriend or your fiance or your wife. When I got married to my second wife, I had to make a really big data scrub. I had to go find everything that had every girlfriend's name on it. And like I said, I was married for under a year. Probably the most least successful marriage of in the world, right? It's mine. Under a year. There wasn't even the honeymoon period. You'll make love more times in your first year than you do in your years two through 30. Mm, not so much. No year two. So update your paperwork because if I die, and I, I tell this story all the time. Chad had a financial planner. Many years ago when I met him, and this one was this one always hit me wrong. Her name was Jody, and she was had a boyfriend. They lived together. He got a life insurance policy, and he made her the the surviving spouse. But she wasn't married. He was just a, a boyfriend trying to do right by her. Hey, look what I signed today at work, kind of thing. A couple years ago, later. Uh, they break up, he settles down, marries, has a kid, commits suicide, and the wife has to go through paperwork and learn like, wow, a million dollars just went to Jody and not to me and my daughter. And I was like, did you think like to give her some of that, Jody? And she's like, no way. My name was on there. And I'm like, really? And again, that's morally there's, I don't know. What's your, what's your reaction to that? But she had a lottery, a boyfriend who left her name on paperwork, who she no longer cared about. It may not be the lottery that we all want to win, but it's 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 definitely less morally. It's more morally flawed than, say, scratchers, right? Number nine on my list 25 years ago was failure to diversify. Diversification means spreading assets. Assets are cash, bonds, stocks, trading cards, what have you. I'm shocked at Pokemon cards and people are scaling into Walmarts and Targets like ninjas in the middle of the night coming down through ceiling tiles to steal Pokemon cards. But they're an asset, whether I like it or not. Cash is an asset. Um, baseball cards are an asset. Digital currencies are an asset. Now, 25 years ago, we didn't have digital currency, so I wouldn't have had this in there. But if you want to say Bitcoin, I'm okay with that. It's probably the most speculative, even more speculative than trading cards or Pokemon cards. So I'm okay with, you know, I want you to have some stocks and at some point I want you to have some bonds. And on occasion, if you want to go after trading cards, I, I get it. Know that some things that you go after that you think are going to hold value like Rolexes, yeah, I don't know. I think we kid ourselves at times. Piece of advice I gave myself 25 years ago or that I was giving my audience was too much short-term for focus. Um, that's the area where I sound most hippie and lovey is I do want you to save in your 401k or your 403b. I do want you to pay for a roof over your head whether you're renting or owning. At some point, I want you to own when it makes sense that you're not going to be bouncing around and, and taking on extra costs. So that's important to me. That on this weekend that you go find something fun to do with your spouse. Maybe it's a hike. Maybe it's a beach trip. Maybe it's a bicycle ride. It's not all about money, 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 money. And when you are stressed about money, you're going to need a break. 
the short-term focus is what makes you crazy. When you sell Apple and it goes up 50% and then you buy more Apple and it goes down 50%. You're like, ah, oh, buy great companies. Don't be short-term. I own shares of Nike and Disney. Do you know why? Because as a child, I knew Nike and Disney. There were status symbols then. I think they're kind of status symbols now. Now, again, I was different. I was raised lower middle class for a good portion of it because we lived overseas. There weren't extravagant things to buy. So it was definitely lower middle class, like the shoe store or the PX, the postal exchanges they're called in, in military families. Uh, they had really cheap shoes. Like there, there weren't $100 pair of sneakers. There, those options weren't in my life. It was like $6.99 or $9.99. And uh, it's super important that you kind of live within your means and that you kind of set some goals and that you buy companies of companies that you're comfortable with. So by the time I got to high school and I started playing sports, Nikes were super important to me. Not being educated. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I would tell my kids when it comes to money, when it comes to love, when it comes to jobs, is keep yourself in the education loop. If you're going to be a chef, keep learning how to cook. If you're going to be a teacher, keep learning new ways of teaching. If you're going to be an investor and save money, you got to educate yourself a little bit on it. You can't trust the guy at the water cooler because they don't practice the stay away from short-term focus. That, that's the, what they love. They love the short-term focus. And they're trying to get you to do their sh uh, stink work. <laughs> I almost did it. I almost did it. Uh, so go long is my advice. Stay away from people giving short-term advice or short-term thinkers. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Search The Rob Black Show. I'm going through some notes from 25 years ago. Could have been 23 years ago, but I save all of this stuff. And anytime I do like webinars or special shows, like I've got one coming up called uh, Ladies Night. And 25 years ago, I could play things like, it's ladies night and I'm feeling right. And I talk about the difference between men and women as investors. I've told the story numerous times that I think one of the best investors I've ever met was a nun. And she, she taught me a lesson on how 30 years previous. Isn't it funny how I'm going back 25 years today and she went back 30 years when she came into my office. And uh, she said she was sexually active. She wasn't a nun yet. And... Uh, her and her boyfriend were taking birth control and he invested in Johnson & Johnson when she didn't and like he became a millionaire. Not because of birth control, but because the pharmaceutical industry was growing and one of their products was birth control. Um, so I'm going through some old notes and like women are different investors than men. My mom outlived my dad by over 20 years and the last three years were in very poor health. So she spent a good $300,000, $400,000 in the last three years on extra costs of not like traveling the world, but of laying in bed and having someone change her diaper or give her medication or roll her over or give her insulin shots. Aging sucks. Definitely in my family, it sucks. So I'm going over some advice and this was, that was the women's show and I'll do a women's show soon because women outlive men. I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to plan financially that that's going to happen. Or women, you could start marrying 
much younger men. And I think that would be fair. And I would, I would smile on that. Get organized was one of my investment lessons. Um, handle your bills however you want to handle them. Anything to do with taxes, I throw in a shoebox. Anything to do with my mortgages, I throw in a shoebox. At the end of the year, I go through my shoebox and I, I divvy it up between my pay stubs, home repairs. It's all in a shoebox. It's not a, a fancy filing system, but also I don't like fancy. I like a little bit of clutter in the system so I can like revisit it and clean it up. A binder is great. My father died knowing that he was going to be dead six months ago. Previous doctor said he'll be dead in six months. The dude didn't get his paperwork in order. The one thing he could have done, yes, he wanted to get in touch with God. And yes, he, he did like make a relationship with a priest, which is ironic because he was raised Catholic. He became a lapsed Catholic, didn't go to church for 30 years. And then during the final six months, he's like, yeah, I still believe all that stuff. Hopefully it helped. I can tell you one thing that I wish he would have done was clean up that paperwork mountain on his desk because I had to do it. My brothers and sister got to like console my mother and I got to do the paperwork. And it was kind of funny because I kept thinking, you know, I got blonde hair and blue eyes and I'm six foot two and all my brothers are like five, eight, five, nine, five, ten. Like, I wonder if there was a, I wonder if I was adopted. I kept thinking I'm going to find adoption papers. But the paper that I found that had he got his paperwork in order was life insurance statement. He let a $400,000 statement um, shut down, expire. Within that six-month period, and all he had to do was sign one more time, send in one more check of like $40, and my mom would have got $400,000 upon his death. And he had a death sentence. And he had this policy his whole life. And in the last six months, he gets distracted because you will be dead in six months, Mr. Black. Maybe it was his way of, of flipping a middle finger at my mother. I don't know. But getting a binder would have helped Rob Black a lot more than his father. In the end, I didn't need it because I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders through a lot of therapy. You need to save 10% of your gross income, period. This was advice that I wrote myself 20 years ago to share with you in, in seminars. It sounds ridiculous, right? You have to invest, you have to save, and you have to earn. So 10% of what you earn, you have to save. And if you can't live by that metric, you're going to have a sad retirement. And when you're 62 and you're mad at the government for not giving you your Social Security or not giving you enough to live off of, blame yourself. Scrooge was an investor god. This was something I wrote 25 years ago, and I still have it in my head that I love that movie until the very, very ending. In large part, he, he was a great saver. He wasn't a big spender. I think it's important that you, when you marry someone or you fall in love, you learn the difference between who's the saver and who's the spender if there's difference. One of the things I used to like to do on first date was like, tell me how about your parents, how they spend money. Um, were they savers? Were they investors? Were they people who bought crystals that would heal the body? Do they believe in chiropractors? I'm not a big believer in chiropractors. Sorry if I just offended part of the audience. I call them Dr. Crackybacks. I believe in physical therapy for sure, but not that you can fix a headache by a spine. And I'd say, please don't touch my spine. It doesn't take a lot to be a millionaire. If you start at age 20, it takes $1,000 annually. Still true today, 25 years later. 
if you start at 25, it takes you $1,700 a year. And you do the math on that. That's a little over $1,000 or a little over $100 a month. If you wait till 30 and you have nothing saved, it takes $2,900 a year, which is $250 a month. 35, it's $5,000 a year. Age 40, it's $8,700 a year. Age 45, it's $15,600. That's $1,300 a month. So at age 20, it's less than $100 a month. At age 30, it's $250. At age 45, it's $1,300 a month. And if you wait till 55, it's going to take you $60,000 a year to become a millionaire or $5,000 every month. Now, do you want to hear the funny about me looking back at my notes right now? I used to think a million dollars was a lot of money. That's where the word inflation, the I word, never say that in front of investors. Don't say the R word or the I word. Um, I was going to say something cute and I decided not to because I don't need to be fired today. Um, credit. It can, oh, back to the million dollars idea. So when I did this 25 years ago and these notes were used on air or they're used at seminars, um, I thought a million dollars was a lot. Now I would say 2 million minimum, 2 million will pay me $80,000 a year, 60 to 80,000. That's before taxes. Social security will be 20,000 before taxes. I think I could live off 80,000 respectably. Now, again, some people are listening to the show right now and they're in like North Carolina. I go, $80,000 a year. That's a lot of money. You'd be like the king of our city. And some people in the Bay Area are like, ooh, you can't get lunch for that. So it's interesting. That's probably the most shocking thing so far out of the segments that I've done today is that I feel naive using that million dollar mark. So if you want to save two million, you're going to need $2,000 a year at age 20, $5,000 a year at age 30, which is 500 a month. At age 45, you're suddenly up to $30,000 a year or 2,600. Like it kind of exponentially changed the numbers, huh? Now, some of those years that were really, really good with the go-go 90s, I did well much better. I caught up. I, I, I overachieved, so to speak. Credit. I'm not obsessed with credit. I hope you're not obsessed with credit. There's a good app called Credit Karma. 25 years ago, Credit Karma wasn't around. Otherwise, I would have put it in the segment. Bad credit can make you pay more for a house than I do. It can make you pay for more for a credit card than I do. Bad credit can mean that I get a job and you do not because credit checks are used to see if you're going to be a good employee who pays their bills on time or a good employee or a bad employee who has a history of missing mortgage payments. Employers don't want your problems coming into their offices. So keeping your credit in decent shape is important. Now keep in mind, I've had to do some mortgages with my spouse that I've had to exclude her because she'll miss like a stupid payment to, like a Macy's. I'm like, ah, so her credit's good. Mine's excellent. And when it comes to getting the best mortgages, I want excellent. So sometimes I had to have to exclude her on a mortgage application and the mortgage will be in my name and kind of means it's my property. Kind of does, kind of doesn't. Depend on what state you live in. But she would have to quit claim deed the property to me so that I would qualify the mortgage, which means if I divorce, it was my property. Very interesting, right? You don't think that caused a little stress in my household? 
Yes. So having good credit is important. And one of the pieces of advice that I tie into that now is that if you're a parent, I wasn't a parent 25 years ago. If you're a parent, don't let your kids get bad credit. Get the app Credit Karma. Help them build credit. Get a secured credit card for them when they're 16, 17, or 18. Let them practice credit. Let them practice missing a payment where the secured card saves their butt and you're able to come to them and say, if he did that in the real world, you wouldn't qualify for a mortgage. Or it'd be a much higher mortgage than your, your friend Benny. Teach your kids about good debt versus bad debt. I think mortgage debt and college debt's good debt. Too much college debt, not good. You can get a cheaper education than a more expensive one. I recommend a little bit of frugality in what you're spending on in college. There's no shame in going to a community college for two years and transferring into a four-year college the final two years. If you don't have the kind of lifestyle or the money to support $100,000 in debt, don't spend $100,000. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out The Rob Black Show online, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels, robblackshow.com. So one of the things I did this hour was go back in the Wayback Machine and pull up one of my old Yahoo accounts and grab some notes from 25 years ago that ultimately show you that some advice is something your older self could have given your younger self or that you could give your kids or your dad could have given you. This is all very common sense kind of stuff, and yet I still see people not understanding what diversity means. And it hurts a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. I think I left off with good debt versus bad debt where I said uh, mortgages are good debt. Student loans are good debt if you get a degree and don't rack it up too much. Don't go out of control. Don't be a lifetime student. Um, what's bad debt? Credit card debt. I know it sucks because here's the next statement out of my mouth. I love credit cards. What? That's a conundrum. That's, that's a problem. It's really not. I pay off my balances every month. Always have, always will. When I can't, I won't use a credit card anymore. Um, I've got egregious perks on travel, egregious to the point that it's egregious, right? You, you pick it up when I'm putting it down. Um, and I use them well, like I, I book hotels through the hotel card. I book flights through the flight card. I book groceries through the grocery card. I go for maximum perks. Again, that's something that 25 years ago, I didn't realize I would say out loud because that's not in my notes. I didn't know that I was going to like um, point cards because I don't think they really became too much of a thing until 10, 15 years ago. But credit card debt back then was bad because it was 30%. And I, I think I did a lot of 20 years ago, 25 years ago, of slamming things like the Washington Capitals credit card. Or have you ever been to a football game or an airline? The Alaska Airways credit card. Um, if you really like... Penn State football. Get a card that shows how much you believe in Penn State. Uh, Jerry Sandusky? Well, just ignore that part of Penn State's bad, bad history and get a credit card that shows your, your love of the blue. That Those cards are the worst because they don't give perks. Yeah, they might give you a perk to like 20% off like an overpriced sweater. 
or an overpriced jersey, but they're not going to give you good perks. Those are called affinity cards, and I had affinity for hating them. Quit or leave a company. This is advice I gave myself 25 years ago or gave you. Quit or leave a company. Take the 401k with you. Don't put the money into a new employer or leave it with the old one. Roll it over into a self-directed IRA. If you're not good at it, roll it over to your new company. Bad things can happen to your 401k after you leave. So let's say you worked for Young Broadcasting. And Young Broadcasting, you know, they changed their 401k. And every, every plan now has big fees in it after you've gone. Well, their HR is not going to call you and say, this is a really ba- bad change. You should do something about it. You've gone. So if you ever leave a company, roll it over. It's going to take you all of 10 minutes. You're going to get on the phone while at the pool, get on the phone while in the car, call 800 Fidelity or whoever your 401k is with, Vanguard, or whoever you want your new plan to be, and you're going to match the old plan with a new plan. That's going to be the toughest part about it. And you're going to say, I need to roll over my old plan to my new plan. It'll take 10 minutes or less. Investment clubs. I wrote this 25 years ago. I love investment clubs where a group of 10 of you get together or five of you, you bring pale ale. I spoke to a firefighting group out of Oakland probably like three or four times and they kept inviting me out and they kept buying me beer. So I kept going like, why not? I'll work for beer. But it was 10 of these men and they're all different and they all watched me on TV, listened to me on radio and they would all have different questions, but they got together and they shared some knowledge and what was beautiful about it, and I, I've done it with women's clubs, and the women's club were my favorite because uh, women are the fair sex, but no. Um, this one, the, the ladies would do a lot of wine. It was like a Wednesday night away from their husbands, and they would do a lot of wine. And they give me a bottle of wine for coming up to Santa Rosa or up to the uh, you know Napa, 40-minute drive for me. We're totally worth my time because I like the social aspect of this. But the woman that I would love at the investment club was the 75-year-old woman who she would get, she'd screw you. I'm not want to buy Cisco. She didn't want any tech stocks. She wanted maybe Levi's or American Express or Visa. She wanted like things that were more important to her than the younger women of the group who were like, yes, me and my husband, we bought a winery because we own shares of Cisco and Microsoft. She wasn't snobby. She, she made her wealth the old fashioned way. She wasn't born at the right time to get into the, into the dot-com era. So I like the clubs that have some older saltiness to them who aren't as speculative because they can temper the younger pups, so to speak. Also, what I liked about investment groups, and police could do this and radio people could do this. One thing I liked about investment groups is if you have an account with Fidelity and I have an account with Vanguard, both of them have online access because they don't want to pay people to like work with you, right? So when you're online, you can get a research report on, let's say you're going to buy Google. And what you can do is on your, your group, you could say, hey, everyone go to their online accounts and try to find any research on Google or their competitors like Yahoo. And then when we get together, we could discuss, you could read the report and highlight two or three things that you see as important, two or three things that you see as a problem. There's free Wall Street research out there. And it's tied to an account that you have. So I do like investment clubs. I'm not against them. 
I do like free Wall Street research. I'm not against it. And when you see how Wall Street works and you see what a standard poor's tear sheet is, you may go, I didn't know why is that important? And you could ask me, you could say, Rob, why did they say in the last five years, Intel's had a PE of 15 to 40 and it's currently at 15. I'm like, well, in the last five years, it's never gone below this. So that could signal some value. And if it's at 38 in the last five years, it hasn't gone much higher. So that could signal a top. It doesn't mean it, but it's a starting point for you. I like free research. I cannot lie. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, all social media, Rob Black Show. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.